Hey everybody, welcome to the Pop My Culture Podcast. I'm Cole Stratton. And I'm Vanessa Ragland. Hey Vanessa Ragland. Hey Cole. How are you? I'm pretty great. How are you? <coughs> great until I had to cough. Oh no. I'm doing great. It's cold season, people. Except I don't have a cold. I don't know where they came from. You do. I do? I'm a doctor. Oh no. Yep. This is oh, gonna be a bad one. Doctor Feel Good. Yeah. <laughs> you voted feel me. All right. That's the one. <laughs> uh, hey everybody, welcome to the show. Uh, a couple quick housekeeping items, and then we will get to our lovely guest. Yeah, you're going to like her. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, if you like the show, leave we us want a review you on iTunes. It's called iTunes.com. I don't think you do that. I think you know how to work iTunes, everybody. Most people can find iTunes at this point. Right. If, you probably won't be listening to this if you can't find <laughs> yeah. iTunes. So uh, find iTunes. Leave find us a iTunes. Review. Yeah, and it's very easy to leave a review, and it really does help us get new ears to the podcast and also, uh, you know, keep our self-esteem's reasonable unless you write something scathing in which case i'm gonna go on a downward spiral that's true that's very true <sighs> uh, you can also email us info at popmyculturepodcast.com we read every email we respond to them all we love your guest suggestions or just saying hello or whatever what about knock knock jokes Those yes please love the knock knocks because everybody knows like that interaction at a door right you yeah, know we can relate experience yeah yeah no, I don't think very many people have had the experience of then saying who's there. <laughs> I think most people just go and either open the door or look through the keyhole thing. And uh, oh, that is who's there. Oh, that, is, that is who there. It's the postman. <laughs> or it is my spouse. Right. Who left their keys again. Oh, darn it. Jenny. Uh, whatever. Um, it's one of those things usually. Anyways, knock-knock jokes are appreciated. <laughs> Send them up. Whoops. <laughs> um, what else? Well, we're mostly listener-supported, and true. if you go to our website, popmyculturepodcast.com, there's a little donate button you can click. Yep, any amount helps, and we'll give you a shout-out on a future podcast. What? Yep. It's a great prize. It, it really isn't. <laughs> but, well, at least it's something, right? Yeah. The, the 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 prize is the satisfaction of knowing you helped this madness continue. Yeah, that's that's something you can glow about. There you go, glow girl. Uh, yeah, and if you want to win a, a Pop My Culture T-shirt, which we have for sale on our website, by the way, popmyculturepodcast.com. Dave Perillo designed them. Um, leave your answer to the first question of this episode on our website in the comment section for this episode for a chance to win a free T-shirt. What? And they fit really nice and they feel really good. So if you don't win one, just buy one. <laughs> Am I a good sure. salesperson or a bad salesperson? Pretty, pretty terrible. Okay. All right, well, let's get to our guest show. Okay, great. Here we go. Bye. Uh, our guest today, well, you know her as Al from Step by Step. Christine Lakin is here. Hello, Hi, Christine. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thanks so much for coming. It. Oh yes, and we're done. Good job. Yeah, guys. Thank this you. was thank awesome. You. Oh, it was great. You yeah. look great. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, All right. we just Thanks needed later. to see how you held up. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> I'm doing my best. You know, really trying to lift and firm on the yeah. eye region. You've got a lot of creams on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot. Of, it's all Vaseline on the oh, lens. Oh, okay. was back then too. So, oh, yeah. little secrets. Yeah, TGIF secrets. It's already. We're changing the format of our podcast now. All it is is guests come in and we just describe what they look like now. That's it. And then it, we're calling this episode the Jump the Shark episode. Great. So it'd be great. It's Perfect. Like, oh, I can't really put my thumb on where pop my culture went wrong. Right. Do people try to put their thumb on things? 
Is that the phrase? That's the new phrase Or is phrase it put now. your finger on it? Now it's your thumb. Oh, okay. I think it has to do with texting oh, or tweeting. Right. Not sure. Because all of really, them. We're it's, all thumbs It's all now. thumbs. Yeah, we're all, we've gone back to caveman days. Oh, my gosh. We're just all thumbs. Thank That's God we're we people. Really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Monkeys can't text. But, um, uh, but some monkeys can. I guess some can. Yeah. Monkeys can text. I guess they can. Monkeys have thumbs. But they're opposable? Yeah, that's the whole thing about monkeys. They're close to us. <laughs> this is going into a weird K-hole that I it never is. thought I'd be in. You guys, <laughs> if we expecting? start talking about Coco the gorilla, I'll just sob. <laughs> I love that gorilla. Don't do it. She's hormonal, everyone. <laughs> I've been watching videos of Coco with the kitten all ball again lately, and that's just a good way to cry. Oh, I know. Oh, God, Coco. Is, oh, we, I get really choked up over pandas. Oh, pandas will do it, too. I have, a, I have a real thing for, you know, the, when the pandas are born and then the... And then the mom panda taking care of the kid. Oh no! Keep it together. They're like they're endangered. I'm like, stop killing pandas, everyone. Why are people doing that mess? I don't know. Well, they're just you know they've really evolved to be such like docile creatures. I think that it's just kind of been survival of the fittest. So pandas don't get very fit. No, they don't. They are a large, fluffy, vegetarian creature thing. (laughs) They're like me. (laughs) For me, it's the it's the otters that hold hands when they're sleeping. Oh yeah. Oh god, those videos are adorable. I'm I'm a huge Planet Earth nerd. We were just talking about that the other night. And granted, I realized that was like nine years ago. That was like the go-to gift. I don't care. No, it's still, still, it holds up it. forever. It really holds up. It's magnificent. <laughs> it really holds up, y'all. It's pretty important. Well, as soon as you think that the world is a horrible place to live in, watch any one of those DVDs, put it in, and just be like, you know what? I don't even know. Yeah, and marvel at the universe. Of marvel. Things that are happening deep below the surface of the sea. That have never been in your consciousness. Like, no. And we don't even know half of what's going yeah, on in the, the ocean. Sea is the most terrifying place in the world. <laughs> terrifying. There are like alien creatures down there that make their own light sources. Well, did you guys see that article that people were sharing on Facebook about the giant squid that, yeah, that washed up? Okay, I thought Monica. it was real for about two seconds. Exactly. Like everybody kept thinking it was real because, which if you look at this picture, it's like it's we thought that was real. Photoshop. It's even bad. Photoshop. But so many people believed it. Other news outlets picked it up, but it's because the sea. Like we were, all, we we're all ready to believe anything about the. Oh, absolutely. And they, and giant squid have washed, washed ashore and not, not that big. Yeah. But I had this like crazy thought, like I haven't been eating sushi in the last yeah. like three or four months because I got really kind of nervous about the whole Fukushima, Fukushima thing. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to err on the safe side and maybe not eat sushi for a little while. Um, so when that happened, I was like, yes, see, <laughs> I knew it. Here I, I am. Right. And all these people have been eating this radioactive sushi and see what happens. And then like all the sacrifices later, I was like, I'm made. an idiot. <laughs> Meanwhile, we all have brain tumors from our cell phones that yep. we're just not aware of yet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> of know. course. Of course. Ooh, that was dark. Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, that was like such bad Photoshop. And it's funny that everything that all the other news sources pick that stuff up because like, well, one, they're just dying for content because it's just constantly going to be updating and blogging or whatever. So like, That's oh, the nature of the internet. Like, remember back in the days of like the old newspaper movies and comics Mm-mm. where it was like people were fighting to get placement of their story. You know, you totally. gotta run it, you gotta run it. Now it's irresponsible. We don't have that. Whatever. And now, <laughs> now everyone's like, like, just like make a list out of it and put it up. Well, I mean that. I feel like that's every infotainment show you ever see. I saw another one on last night. You know, I was doing that thing where I was working, but I had the TV on in the background, mm-hmm. so it kept like going from you know. Real Housewife episode to Real Housewife episode, but oh, in the middle, yeah. like live TV would come on, and I have no idea what this show was, but they were. It was just people talking in a microphone about tweets, a tweet on show on television. It was it was a show about tweets, and I thought to myself, 
you're filling half an hour talking about people's tweets. That is like, that's, sad. Yeah, that's a lot of information that nobody ever really needed to know. Ever. And like, it so already has a platform. I, that's what Leave I'm saying. It. We, we Leave can already it discuss there. that in another realm. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. Really. Too many realms. And yet it's like really hard to get a show on television, and yet... All these shows are on television. Because I think it doesn't actually... This is going to shock you guys. It doesn't cost a lot to make the show where people talk into a microphone about tweets. What? Yeah, right. It's no. got a pretty low That's cost. Huge budget. <laughs> huge budget. You My FaceTime show. You've gotta have, somebody's got to have a laptop so they can look up the tweets. Oh, I hadn't had figured DSL. that. You're right. Uh, right yeah. there. I mean, oh, my gosh. I hadn't factored in internet or anything. <laughs> there's a lot going on. A lot more than you're aware of. Wow. They have 27 cameras. Yeah, got to catch all those angles. The live 27 camera shoot. <laughs> it's like motion capture. <laughs> yeah, they're all wearing those suits with ping pong balls on them. I had to do that. <gasps> you I got, did? Well, I got to do that. Yeah. That's the spirit. <laughs> um, it was uh, It was really fascinating, actually. I mean, you look completely ridiculous every day going to work. You look like some kind of strange. Because you have to wear it when you leave the house. Uh, yeah, you have to wear it when you leave the house. <laughs> the balls are really uncomfortable to sit on. Um, they actually really are. Um, but uh, no, it was, it was really fun. Like, it was kind of... It was kind of a blast to do. What project was it for? Uh, it was for a video game. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in this big series, this Uncharted series. Oh, cool! And um, so I did one of the, the new games. I played like the love interest. Oh, yeah, but you it was did. cool. Like you're you're obviously taking the gamer through various aspects of the game, but there's also like scenes in between that are really like you know these scenes between two people. And the way you sh- you shoot it is in this like void, this this realm where there aren't any sets and there's just sort of like blocks and things to represent different, you know, crags or wh- whatever you're climbing up or, you know, a warehouse, wherever you are. Um, and uh, you kind of do all the scenes like with the other person, almost as if you're in a black box theater. Oh, wow. So that's kind of cool. Like for me, I was like, oh, I get this. And you did right. get to interact with your scene partners. Yeah, absolutely. That's nice. Yeah. And there's just all these cameras around you, but you kind of it's it's such a different thing than regular film and television. You kind of forget that the cameras are there, and you don't have to worry about blocking because they're capturing you from every angle possible. So it's um yeah it's technical, but it was also really like liberating in a weird way. That would be kind of a fun oh, yeah. live show. Do like motion capture theater, where like you're doing like our town, but everybody's wearing motion capture suits. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing, actually. <laughs> but then, then what? The fact, what happens next? Really with the, like, yeah. It's just like motion capture their normal clothes. <laughs> right. Which <laughs> right. I could have just worn, but uh, but they could change the outfits at the yeah. yeah totally. exactly. It's really great Time for costume period. designers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. All right, we got to talk about this dude. Okay. Uh, Shia LaBeouf. Um, (laughs) It's been in a pretty interesting uh, Twitter thing the last couple weeks where uh, he uh, he made a short film called uh, HowardCantor.com, which is basically a plagiarized version of Daniel Close's book uh, story, Justin M. Damiano. And uh, someone figured this out, and it was all over the place saying, like, how could you steal it? And everybody was accusing him of things. And then the weirdest, craziest chain of tweets happened from Shia where he was tweeting at people that, like, he did an apology, but he plagiarized the apology and then kept plagiarizing other things, I think is, like, a big fuck you to everybody initially. And then he, like, hired a skywriter. Then he hired a skywriter. That's where it gets good. But basically, you have a really famous, influential person that took a... Well, it's a graphic novel, right? That yeah. he based it on. He took someone's creative work and made a short film out of it. It would be so easy to co- yeah. collaborate with that person or right. say thank you or recognize them. Like, from his position to that person's position, it's so easy to do, like, a not-douchey thing. 
Right. And then to not only not do that, but then be like so shocked that you're caught and so sassy about it. Like it just never stopped. And then a skywriter enters the picture. What, and what did the skywriter say? It said, Daniel Close, I'm sorry. I like took your work basically. And he did it over the, the skies of LA. And I'm like, well, Daniel Klaus lives in San Francisco. So that's not really effective, but God. has and no one ever thought of like a gift basket, right? You that goes I mean? a long way. Some, some nice soaps would have gone some nice Joe Malone soaps. Ooh. Maybe, um, some you know, maybe some sausage. fruit, some summer sausage, yep. anything from Hickory farms. Really, yeah. Really? I'm sorry. Just one thing of Kiehl's <laughs> like some, some nice moisturizer. <laughs> gone a long way. But then like, actually I, I, I'll give him a little bit of credit, and this is the only credit I'm going to give him, is like plagiarizing an apology is pretty hilarious. And it, because he, he, but do you think he did it with a wink or just like, no, I'm just going to Google it, it? the whole time knowing that like he wasn't sincere really and he yeah. like, fuck you. But like that's kind of hilarious in a sense, but still dicky and not at all. Yeah. Like, you're supposed to do it. like, ah, all right, touche for a second. But then right. he started to like just continue to do terrible things. And at the Golden Globes, when Jim Carrey was presenting – he said, dying is easy, comedy is hard. I think Shia LaBeouf said that, like made a joke or whatever. So Funny. then that Twitter thing started back up where Shia LaBeouf was like writing like at Jim Carrey about it. And so it got kind of nasty between them or whatever. And uh, and then Shia LaBeouf, like in all caps, like put, I am no longer famous, like as a tweet. But then there's been a second skywriting. Oh, has there? He did another skywrite no, this past week. Yeah. Which, wait, wait. And by the way, like Jim Carrey probably didn't write that line. Yeah, FYI. yeah. yeah just so whole, you know. Like, <laughs> FYI, just to Shia LaBeouf, there's a whole team of people that write the Golden Globes. Remember that? <laughs> That's a thing. You've wait. done it before. <laughs> Shouldn't you know it? No, Shia writes all his own Jim material. Was plagiarizing somebody else's oh, yeah. stuff. Right. No, yeah, exactly. Let's drag him through the mud. Right. Uh. God, stupid. It's so so stupid. I just think that anything that escalates to the level of like, I'm hiring the Skywriters again. <laughs> it's exciting. But think about the Skywriter. He's had the best month in years. Oh, yes. yeah. That guy's like, yes. He's like, I've got an account with Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> and he got to make new dusty. banners. Anything. I'll write anything. Was it a Skywriter, like a smoky twirler or a Sky banner? It was a smoky, I think it was actually. A smoky twirler. Yeah. Wow. It's got to be expensive. Yeah. And now. a very rare career. Yeah. And what's, what's who goes second? into that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been thinking about skywriting, you know. Uh, who, uh, what, did, what was the second skywrite? I think it was I F. Retire, F. something yeah. like that. I retired? Yeah, because he wants to retire. Yeah, I'm not. Oh, he's talking to the Amanda Bynes Club? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. You know, he'll be out of the public so, eye. And everybody will wigs talk about are next. Ooh. Small yeah. dogs. A little bonfire in the road. Bonfire on your parents' driveway. <laughs> Got it. It's okay. a good road to go down. Well, you know, while we're on the subject of crazy child stars, um, yeah, you know, I think there's an epidemic with, honestly, I think there really is with being too famous too young. And yeah. that's where this—that's where I think this whole thing just starts. When you don't know things like plagiarizing is wrong, right? It's like a very simple, very—I um, don't know—it's sort of like a golden rule, right? Don't mm-hmm. steal other people's work. Right. Um, I think you learned that like in seventh grade. I think you have so. A teacher, but maybe, but maybe if you don't, because he was school, on a Disney show, show since he was like ten, right? When, yeah. Whenever yeah, he was even Stevens, really young, right? Yeah. And then holes. 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 Holes, Holes, people. (laughs) And all is forgiven. It's too bad, you know? It's like, and I think, 
the the weird thing to me about Hollywood, and this is just my perspective on it, but it really, no matter how old you get or you know um, how long you've been in the business, it really is a popularity club. That's all yeah. it is. And uh, it, it's kind of like high school over and over and over again. Nobody wants to sit at your table when you're not the most popular kid in school. But when you are, everybody wants to mm. work with you. And those are the, you know, the roles that you get. And, you know, it's like a wave. It goes in and out. Um, and for somebody who's only had just the successful part, I think people start to, like, go crazy. They start to, you know, d- decide that they're not worthy of something or they're, they're not, they, they feel worthless or whatever it is. And they get in, they get in this like sort of, I don't know. I think it's a very, uh, I think it's a psychosis. And yeah. I think it's gotten worse. And I think that's because certainly than when I was a kid, but it's gotten much worse with the internet. Yeah. For whatever reason, everything is so immediate. Everybody has access now. Everybody too. has access and everything is a trend. Right. So quickly. And there's right? pictures of everything that I think if it was print media, no one would care what someone wore to the gym. Like right. the level of all this. You know, there's Absolutely. that's one page in a magazine. Absolutely. But instead it's like, oh, we can do forty of these posts a day. A day. Absolutely. And that there's no real regulations on what age that there can should start, be regulations or? on Instagram. There really should be. <laughs> because you know what? I don't need to see forty five pictures of your headband. <laughs> You know, I get it. You're doing a, a Marie Claire cover shoot. We don't need to see 45 pictures of the headband. We're maybe done. One, maybe once. Okay. That's nice. That's a treat. <laughs> I'm good for like 22. <laughs> and then I'm like, I don't know. You just get fatigued really crossing from the all the beauty. Yeah, really crossing the line. Yeah. It's, it's, I also feel like a lot of these child stars and this also, you know, we talk about Justin Bieber a lot on the show and there's more to talk about if we want to, cause he oh, keeps doing beeps. crazier stuff. It's like there's just no one to tell them no, really. And right. Because everyone's afraid of losing their job. Yeah, and everybody's a yes man. So like, well, there's in a that. Sense, and like really, like when you're at a certain age, like your pa- what are your parents going to say? Yeah. Stop. But I even mean, his handlers, like what are they going right. to, how are they going to handle that? That's, well, that's the whole thing too. I mean, and like, you know, look, the Amanda Bynes thing is like, it's, it's sad because I think she actually, and she's such a, a talented girl. Um, and I think she actually was just, I think she's having a moment of, of emotional and mental breakdown. Yeah. Um, which unfortunately was out for everyone to see. And caused a frenzy that just perpetuated it even more. Perpetuated it even more. And the girl obviously needed help and is getting it and thank God for that. But it's like, you know, it's like the Britney Spears syndrome. Like you, it takes, it's actually, my God, that was my stomach. Um, (laughs) it takes a really long time to actually be able to get your parents involved in a real way. Cause think about it. Yeah. We're all adults here, right? If I suddenly went on the crazy train and started, you know, like walking down the street naked, how long would it take for and how many jail arrests would it take for my parents to actually be able to intervene it's right quite difficult that's true i hadn't even thought of that you like know? the legal which by the way is what i'm going to do when i leave here yeah yeah so. well you're not wearing pants already already off to a good start yeah christina could walking naked down the street in front of a giant squid in santa monica <laughs> someone skyride about it please <laughs> loop de exactly oh i'm still hung up on the skyriding I am too. I want to know who that man is. Who is that man? Right? Like or what? A woman? It could be a woman. That's true. It could be. Wanna... There can't be that many of them. Were they fighter pilots before that are retired, and this is like a fun thing, or was this the end game? Or maybe that yeah, fighter pilots like you know, I just want to do something creative. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I always like to draw. <laughs> I wanted to get out of killing and you know get into get into writing. I thought that would be really fun. I've t- my mom always said I was a good writer and I had a way with words, and so now I'm just doing it on a really 
Big level, actually. <laughs> really big level. <laughs> about four jobs a year, but man. Those are big. Star Wars, and I wish his name was Luke Skyrider because <laughs> that's like, he was in the stars like I am. That's a good name for the Luke plane. Skyrider. That'd be the Luke Skyrider? That would be an that amazing be, company name. Nice. Oh my gosh. I just wonder, like, I think we can all now dream about being famous enough that you have disposable skyrocketing money. You know, right. Like, you literally have seven, <laughs> I can spend whatever it is, 10 grand to write a sky message. No big deal. Right? Just drop it on that, and you can still have your nice dinner. I could have given to a charity or something. But, but instead, why? I decided to make a grand statement to about, like, 4,500 people in the Los Angeles, <laughs> L.A. County only. Right. And add to the... <laughs> and add to the See small. how I'm making a difference? Right. <laughs> making a difference. Every right. day. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving, like, clouds to the sky. Right. Oh, that's uh, a sweet way to think yeah. of it. The sky gives us so much. It's actually probably like some kind of really toxic CO2, FYI. Yeah, probably. This is from the girl who doesn't eat sushi. We get it. You're obsessed. I'm obsessed. So we'll very quickly talk about what happened about Biebs lately because he could be going to jail. So what's the eggs thing? I'm sorry. I'm a little behind the time. No, you're not. He like egged his neighbor's house. Yeah. And uh, Who's his neighbor? Uh, someone, some wealthy someone, okay. right? You have dumpty, to be so it is some sick. wealthy nobody. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. So they're you know are t- talking about pressing charges or whatever. So then the cops went over to investigate, which is so weird. So they searched this place. And I don't know, looking for egg cartons. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so, Just into these, omelets, man. All these pause Easter egg dying kids doing it here. Um, but his 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 boy Lil Za, which I don't know if that stands for Little Pizza. I don't. It know must. That's, that's what on Scrabble or like Words with Friends. If you play Za, Za is a word. It's short for pizza. pizza right. I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> Lil Za. They arrested him for what was initially rumored to be cocaine that was just lying out and about, but then turned out to be MDMA or Molly and Xanax, which doesn't have quite as long a prison sentence, evidently. But he's in trouble, and right now Bieber is. They they won't say whether he's going to be prosecuted in any way shape or form but that we're hoping he's taking it very seriously that's kind of where it is oh i'm sure he is the eggs or the the mdma <laughs> right which, which one's oh, supposed to be resonating with him <laughs> i mean just you know pick pick what you want you gotta get him on something they'll probably yeah. get him for tax evasion that's what I'll yeah right. yeah exactly you know what's so weird about that it's like how many did you ever egg a house no growing up no, in I Hall- never did it. halloween nothing you did really I mean, oh, I know people no. did, but I never did it. The yoke is still on your hands. I, I, know. <laughs> I actually never egged anything because I did I did know it took paint off yeah. stuff and I was I was fearful my parents would literally like lock me in the basement <laughs> if I ever did that. because <laughs> um, I had a very healthy fear of my parents, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> um but uh, no, I did toilet paper people. Yeah, people's t- houses. TP is a different story. You know, that's a different story. Yeah. That's just annoying. That's just annoying and stupid and kind of silly, you know? Yeah. And I feel like people did that on Halloween, but they also did that like when you'd like somebody. Right. You kind of did that. Um, but I guess I have two questions. A, like, clearly he's had words with his neighbor and this was just the way he decided to get back at him. But right. how many eggs are we talking about here? Is yeah, it like that's a good question. Costco cartons? Or is this just. Like if it's just a few, you'd think the law wouldn't get yeah, entered. Involved. It's got. He must have probably went out and did. You know, like he would probably would do it big. And probably got <laughs> like you know. He probably did. You know how Whole Foods sells those like ostrich eggs? Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> Maybe he, he dropped some major change on the egg. He probably actually has a catapult that he owns in the backyard. And he's yeah. just tucking them over. Oh, I would yeah. not be surprised. But I'm just surprised that the that the LAPD can have. Like granted a search warrant to go in and look for eggs, like in a city like 
rife with gang violence. Right. And everything else is like, we got another egging on Mulholland. Oh, God, we got an egging. (laughs) Really? Get in the squad car. Yeah, that must have just been, they must have known something else was happening. Yeah. By the way, am I stupid? So MDMA comes in a powder form now? No, I don't know what any of that means. I was just like, okay, sure. Just kidding. It's Adderall. Like, but I guess it's all chopped up so you can snort it. Oh, right. Okay. To get a really clean high. Now I'm learning things. (laughs) I don't know if that happens when you snort things. The stuff. It was just a joke. <laughs> what he did with it, that's his own business. That's, that's a right. Yeah. Put it that's in your Vitamix, you go to town. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like at some point, Biebs is going to find himself behind bars for, uh, well, probably or not. not. Probably aggravated himself, assault. Probably. He'll probably find Let's himself in a courtroom and then he'll find himself in a wig. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and then he'll end up like in some like posh, like Jordan Belfort situation. Yeah, or he'll go to like uh, some sort of rehab facility kind of thing because they'll blame it on something like that, and like. And then know. he'll eventually wind up as like the host of like Don't Forget the Lyrics or something. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> like it'll all just come full circle. Yeah, and oh, here God, we are. Forgot the lyrics. You're out. <laughs> We're going to a commercial break. I'm Justin Bieber. <laughs> so again, that's like kind of the problem, though. Is like yeah. you know, once again, finding an identity. Of of which you are you are now an adult you are now able to make your own decisions but like struggling with whatever that is I mean I I just I I think it's so clear and so obvious but again if you don't have a, any kind of sense of self growing up and you're just sort of on this runaway train then the best thing you could ever do I think is to really just get away well how did just you find shut that up transition and get away go to London go to college go travel the world right. go do something else but don't be that person anymore yeah. And then figure out what you want to do with the rest of your life because you can make music or you can go to school or you can go do whatever you want, right? Um, I mean, for me, you know, I um, I always lived. My parents are. I'm from Atlanta, so mm-hmm. like even when I was growing up here and working and stuff as a kid, I always went back to the East Coast. I went to a normal high school. I it was private high school, so it was small, but mm-hmm. um, it was you know I went to football games. I I did normal kid stuff and. Uh, and then when I was 18, I, I moved out here permanently. I was still working and I started college. And I don't know, like, I can't say that, you know, transitioning is is easy in any way. I don't think this business is easy, like, point blank. Yeah. It's always kind of a struggle and an up and down and a hustle. But I guess I, I guess I always had, like, I always knew I could just leave. I could just get out. Right. If, if it didn't make me happy anymore, then what was the point? Um because I could go do something else. I, I had that confidence to know that I was good at other stuff. Like you could go do MDMA I and go in, do MDMA. in London. Right, right, exactly. Anywhere. Right, absolutely. Their skywriting college is always <laughs> It's been on the horizon. Barnum and Bailey's <laughs> yeah, skywriting. It's on the horizon. Oh, <laughs> I didn't get that. That was really good. Oh, yeah. that's good. <laughs> uh, but how old were you when you started on Step by Step? Uh, I was 12. 12, okay. Yeah, but I'd been working professionally since I was eight. In Atlanta, I did a lot of theater there, and I did like you know commercials, TV movies, stuff like that, regional stuff mostly, a couple of national commercials. Um, Were you the first in your family? I'm like be- the only, really. Yeah, I'm the anomaly in the family. Wow. Um, and uh, I'm an only child, uh, so really, it all kind of started from I, I was too tiny to really play sports, and we moved a lot before I was about eight. So when we settled in Atlanta, my mom started to get me involved in dance. 
Um, and I'd been involved in a couple other states we lived in, but I auditioned for a company and I was involved in a, you know, in a group of, she wanted me in a group activity, especially, mm-hmm. I think that's in some like child rearing book. <laughs> if you have like an only child, it's really good to involve them in group activities. Oh, like sports right. yeah. or dance. Yeah. So I was doing that and, you know, auditioned for a, um, a local kids theater company and got in and the Atlanta workshop players and we would do shows all around schools in the metro Atlanta area and then in the summers at resorts in South Georgia. And um, it was there that I was spotted by an agent from L.A. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And I'd been doing, like some again, like some local stuff, but that was really how my connection to L.A. came about. So it's really, it's one of those weird stories of being, like, at the right place at the right time. Yeah, rare. But I kind of find that, you know... I don't know, 50% of people now, it used to be more because I, I feel like everyone I know now that's young and, 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 um, famous has a famous parent, but, um, but like back then anyway, that's, that was really what it was all about yeah. always, you know? So. Right. And when you're Especially on- if your parents aren't in the business. Anyway. Yeah. That's yeah, a much totally. healthier start. It seems like. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, because it's, it, it's interest driven instead of so. like career driven at that point. You know? Yeah. And, you know, my parents were definitely I think it was harder for them because they had no idea what we were getting into. And I think for many parents, that's kind of that's kind of the thing. It's like, oh, geez, what is this? Yeah. Um, so, you know, they were very like overprotective. But uh, I always knew like if I didn't get good grades and I and I, you know, if I was like going off the deep end in like a really bratty way, like it was over. All of that stuff was over, and that was very clear to me. So I loved it, and it never felt like a job to me. So I guess that's why I, I definitely stayed on the straight and narrow. I didn't want it to go away. Yeah. Right. And did you have, like, an onset tutor and all that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then in high school, I had, like, three different tutors. Again, my parents with the education thing, it was – I went to a really, like, tough – one of those, like, prep schools in Atlanta – so I had, you know, I was like taking calculus and like AP Spanish and AP English. Was that different like that. than other kids on set? Uh, yeah. 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 You know, there's a mixture. There were a couple kids who, who went to private high schools here in Atlanta or here in LA. And then there were a couple kids that like did the home study mm-hmm. thing. My stomach, I'm so sorry. I am no like, I, I don't think I'm, we're picking it up. I guess I'm you can just okay. keep saying the weed whacker or something. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, there were other kids that did like the home study thing. And I don't even know if that's really, I don't know what that is. I, I think that's like, read this book and then tell me about it. <laughs> oh, that was good, good honey. Yeah. Now get to the set. Yeah. But that's, I mean, to be quite honest, that's more the norm, I think. Yeah. So when you watch these kids become 20, 21, 22, 23, and you wonder, like, hmm, they don't seem to really know who they are. Well, no wonder they—they've never, never needed to explore anything yeah. else other than just being way too responsible, way too young. Yeah. Have you seen that documentary? It's about the kids at Oakwood. It's called yeah. Oakwood, right. Yeah. Those, those are those apartments that are in Burbank where all the kids come out <laughs> oh, in college yes. seasons. And oh, stay I know there. them. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, there's a documentary on yeah. it, and it's like, it's so. It's, it's probably 10 years old or maybe even a little more, but it's a really good documentary. I mean, it's, it is really sad because they show a lot of the, you know, the kind of vultures out yeah. here that are kind of poised to take advantage of young families of and young people. Well, and we lived at the Oakwood when we first moved here for like a couple of months when I was doing like the pilot or whatever, right after it got picked up. And um, we lived in one in, in uh, Venice and got robbed. 
Oh my gosh. Yep. And so that was a terrible experience. And then when we moved to the Valley, we had to stay in one for a month as well before, cause we were trying to find a, a new place and it was like, yeah, it was freaky. I wouldn't go to the pool because there were just all these kids yeah. who were like professional kids and their mothers, but they're like pagers. This is the nineties. So with their pagers and their agents and everyone was like, like networking and asking questions. And the kids who were like eight and nine would be like, so how many editions have you got on this week? Whoa. It was bizarre. You gotta go. Crazy. Bye. <laughs> and my mom and I were both like, ah, get us out of this hell. Yeah, oh my gosh. Especially yeah. when you watch those things and you realize it's like the parents that want it so much more than most of those kids oh, God, do. Yes. The kids are like, this is what we do, I guess. It's awful. Yeah. yeah, it's really odd. I mean, so, you know, my parents were definitely like, oh, well, she seems to like it. Well, yeah. It seems to be going well. Well, all right. I guess so. But it was, yeah, they, I don't think that was ever their dream for me. Yeah. No. I think they would still like me to move home to Atlanta and be on CNN. Hey, there's <laughs> still like time for CNN. There's Listen, still you know, time. There are times when I think about it. So, <laughs> so step by step was pretty beloved. It was part of the TJF lineup, yeah. which uh, we have a very uh, nice little place in our heart. For. Yes, because <laughs> um, that was so back good. when, like you know, you didn't just DVR shit and then get to it when you got yeah. to it. Like you literally are like, I'm going to watch this because I'm home on Friday and this is what I'm going to do. And this is totally. my fun thing I'm going to do. It was oh, like yeah. a fun thing must-see to do. TV. I mean, yeah. I, I was a must see TV person and and I was a TGF person, and I couldn't believe like when I got this show and then they told. I found out it was going to be on Friday night. I mean, I thought I had like hit the jackpot. I was like, oh my God, can you imagine anything better than TGIF television? Like, I love it. It is, the age and everything. It's like the dream. Absolutely. I get to be a part of that club? Absolutely. It was like a dream come true, for sure. That's so awesome. And there's just not a whole lot of television you can watch as a family anymore. No. Um, and I, I just genuinely... like an ABC family, which is all like <laughs> teen pregnancy. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And we're foster kids and we're in jail. Um, but yeah, you know, and I, I actually now it's rerunning on the hub. Um, step by step. Oh, cool. So I didn't know that. A bunch of like tweets and stuff about it. And people were sending me like still pictures of like, watching step by step. And, you know, um, I unfortunately don't get the hub, but I was, when I was home over Christmas, um, we were watching like, I don't know. I think we watched like my mom pulled out some old tape and <laughs> it's so embarrassing. And, um, cause my fiance had never really seen it. Oh my gosh. I know he was, he was a sports, he played a lot of sports on Friday nights. <laughs> so growing up, so we watched some of it and I was like half embarrassed, but half intrigued because I hadn't seen it in so long and watching it again. I was like, actually, I mean, aside from the fashion, um, it kind of like they're, there's moments it really kind of holds up. Yeah. It's like a fun, sweet show. Well, well I think most of the TGIF back. stuff does yeah. of just like, it's, it's got so much heart and it's about families and it feels good to watch it. And it's before, like, I think now a lot of the programming that's not even just for families, but for kids is so sassy based and you right. know, like totally. rebel and flash and all this stuff of like, Absolutely. really? And that was the time I remember like, you never cringed when your parents came in the room. Yeah. You felt totally fine watching it. And there were always like the episodes that felt risque exactly but like going back it was like no that's a good thing for kids to learn about yeah and uh yeah and like i um god i loved perfect strangers oh yeah the two of them were so funny and you know and of course like both like come from like theater they were both like theater actors who weren't like necessarily super famous before they got that show yeah you know now it's it's different um i feel like everything on television because it's i don't know everything has changed so much and there isn't that must-see 
quotient. So we, you not only have, you have so much new content on cable and now like, especially with, you know, premium, um, internet provider and stuff that people are just trying to get eyeballs, you know? Yeah. Totally. So you had two pretty legendary parental units on that show. (laughs) Patrick Duffy. Um, which is such a cool thing to just have kind of this mashup of people that are all famous from different shows in different areas right. coming yeah. together. Um, and then I believe that like, it was after my two dads, right? So Stacey mm-hmm. had already done that. So yep. you just kind of had this like, I don't know, this kind of Voltron of, yeah. <laughs> of people coming together. Yeah. Um, what was, what was like a typical week like for you guys? Cause I'm sure you did like a table read mm-hmm. and then rehearsals and all that. How did that kind of play out? Um, so the first two years of the show, we, we shot at, uh, the Culver Studios. Oh, yeah. So down in um, Culver City. And then the show actually moved over to Warner Brothers. Um, so that's where we did the bulk of our stuff. And by that point, we were working like four-day weeks. So uh, Monday would be technically a day off, um, but I would come in and do my schooling. And uh, and then Tuesday, we would start in with rehearsal, um, usually 9 or 10 a.m. And then around 4 o'clock would be a producer run-through. Um, that would usually go from 4 to 5 um, and then we'd have notes from like five to six and go home. And then same thing on Tuesday, but we'd have a network run through again, same thing, notes, rewrites every night, mm. the, you know, they'd be in the writer's room rewriting. And then on Thursdays we would do a table read in the morning for the next episode and then go straight into camera blocking. And that oh, would wow. be sort of the longer day because right. that you're at that time, like now we were actually shooting on film, um, mm. which nobody yeah. does nobody does, yeah. <laughs> nobody does. So, and we had three cameras and it, uh, so there was a lot, it was kind of a choreographed sort of thing. Obviously we shot with a live audience. So, um, there was definitely, you know, everything was done for marks and we'd go through the scene and they'd lay down marks and then the stand-ins would come in, blah, blah, blah. Much like you would do a film. Um, but it's, you know, in a sitcom, it was more like a play, like right. a play. So, uh, we would do that, go through a run through and whenever your scenes were sort of blocked and done, you were released or told you can go back to school or go home. And then Fridays we would come in, uh, late, um, usually around uh, 11 or 12, go through with producers again, the entire show with camera, do another round of notes, go to dinner around like five, get into hair, makeup, all that kind of stuff. And then we'd start the show at seven and we'd usually be done by 10. Wow. That's a pretty intense kind of workflow for the show. Yeah. In terms of amount of rehearsal and stuff. Yeah. It was definitely like, you know, and now they do things so differently. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, I guess I understand that a lot of shows use stand-ins for the camera blocking days. Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of shows also double up there. They start, they've started doing two episodes in a week. Yeah. It's just way cheaper for them or they don't have a full audience. They have laughers. They come in and sit. Um, So a lot of things just aren't done the way they're, they used to be. But again, like, you know, everyone looks for a way to cut a cost and right. make a product cheaper, which is the way it always kind of goes. But I have to say, I mean, being able to grow up in that environment, um, even though I was going to school at the same time as doing all of that kind of stuff, uh, it's still, I mean, let's be honest, it's a, it's a nine to six job, yeah, which is kind of incredible. Um, especially considering <laughs> most other jobs I do now are not, it's more like 14 to 15 hour days. Yeah. yeah well, especially uh, these hour long dramas and procedurals and things like that. Like, yep. They'll be like yeah. 14 hour days, six days a week. Absolutely. What are some of your crazy. hardest work experiences? Um, you know, I did a show, I mean, I would say hard in terms of the hours, yeah. but most you know, grueling. Yeah. I did a show that was on the CW, um, like four years ago called Valentine. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we did eight episodes of that. And, you know, any new show regardless is you're finding a flow. You're finding the director's finding his or her flow. The, the cast is like, you're just, you're still finding it. Right. Yeah. So those days were, there were a couple of like 16, 17 days where at times you'd be like, how, what day is it? I don't even know. Wait, I was here t- this morning or yesterday. When was I here? <laughs> I'm still what supposed to look nice. Okay. And oh, you're forcing my, so you want me to turn around at eight hours and be back. Oh, okay. I'll be oh back my gosh. Sure. But it was such a fun experience. Yeah. A great experience. Um, I was pretty heavy in the show all the time, which was also exhausting, but, but really fun. I mean, Kevin Murphy and I have known each other for quite a while and he created it and just wrote so well for me. Um, so that was a blast. Definitely one of the, uh, I had not, I had never been the lead in an an hour long before. So I don't, you know, I'd guest starred and things like that. Right. Never for a, a long period of time. (laughs) And that was the Valentine. That was the show about like the Greek gods. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember auditioning for that way back. Oh yeah. (laughs) There was an episode, I guess, where there was like, they were going to Grauman's where all the different like people are who are wearing like the different characters things. Yeah. So it was for that episode. It was a very cute show. Yeah, it was, it was, I remember the writing being really good on that. Yeah, and really like great guest star episodes because every week we'd you know it'd be two people that were coming together and we would be we were the goddess and goddesses of love and I was the only mortal in the show so we'd be finding two people that were about to either miss each their chance at love or you know um, were trying to find their soulmate or whatever it was so we would get to know them first in the first act and then we would kind of intervene. That's such a good concept. Yeah, it was really cute and it was yeah. so fun. I mean, the set was amazing. The cast was really great. Jamie Murray is such a blast to work with. Autumn Reeser and I are still very close. Um, I mean, I just met great people on that show. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Oh. Hey, John. How are you? John can take our picture. John just bombed the <laughs> bombed the podcast. <laughs> I'm like, who is this man? To do that. That's my husband. Yeah, that's who he is. So you're in the Veronica Mars movie. I am. How exciting is that? Very exciting. And you've done the show, and you've worked with yeah. Kristen several I've times. With Kristen several times. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was really really cool when I you know got a call and they were like, hey, they'd like you know to bring your character back, which they did with so many of the characters, obviously, yeah. from the TV show. It's just really cool to be involved in, you know to watch a show like that, um, be able to go to the big screen now. And it, I mean, it's all because of the fans. Mm-hmm. And this was like the first kind of Kickstarter, um, I think, big budget, big Massive scale. success. Yeah. Uh, and it's. Uh, I thought Rob Thomas did a really great job on the script, and I think the fans are going to be very happy. Um, I'm a very small part of the movie, but I my character is sort of throughout, so that's all I can say. Um, it's going to be interesting to see like how it does when it opens like what what it, what, it, what it's going to do at the box office well what is you know, the, the is there a box out. office plan in place yeah it's getting a theatrical release in yeah. march i believe a major yeah. like sure that's so exciting um, yeah it'll just be interesting because like you know like when serenity came out the fan fervor was huge on it but it didn't really do much of a ripple at the box yeah, office. yeah it's you know it's a they're two really totally different things, they right? They really are, yeah. yeah. I mean, if it came out on Netflix or, or yes. something like that and it was like, this is the day, how many people would go out and see it on that day? I think quite a few yeah. because yep. you can kind of watch it at your leisure at home or buy it or whatever, yeah. right? So I think there, you know, we're watching a whole new um, emergence of different uh, platform structures mm-hmm. um, starting now. And everyone's just kind of testing the waters. 
And what's cool about it is it really isn't contingent on how it does at the box office. If it doesn't make yeah. much money yeah. there, it doesn't matter because doesn't it's going to go to DVD, it's going to go to Blu-ray, it's going to go to, yep. to streaming, VOD, it's going to go to absolutely. VOD, and it's going to make its money, which we funded anyways. Right. So, yeah. Like, right. Well, and also the fans fun. are the people. Like, it is a difference of like, okay, so how many people will go to the theater and do that? But this is the kind of fan base that will support it on such a different level of yeah. like, if it was a $15 one day download, Everyone right. would do it immediately. You Absolutely. know what I mean? Like it's it's a strange right. If it's structured thing. The first two weeks and then it goes down or whatever that is. Yeah. Right. Um, which I think it really is going to be the next structure of fan fueled entertainment. I, I think, think so that's too. what you're starting to see. Studios are definitely making fewer and fewer features because yeah. the risk is so high. Um, that's why you're seeing a lot of sequels and remakes mm-hmm. and, you know, and fear, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and the stuff that works, which is always, you know, the horror and yeah. things like that. Um, but, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, even, you know, what I find so fascinating and what I've gotten more involved in, in the last few years is, um, creating and pitching my own content for, uh, um, other outlets that are not just cable. Well, right? you did Love and Lakin for Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. Was that developed for Hulu or has it just found a home at Hulu? It found a home at Hulu. Um, and from that experience, and that was, I mean, that was a three-year process. Which, oh, wow. Because it was sort of back when, you know, we made it and then I, I had planned to just kind of release it you know, myself yeah. and put it on, put it on YouTube, put it on a website and mm-hmm. then do kind of what, like, um, there was another, um, there was another series that Ileana Douglas did and that's kind of what she had done. And then people sort of fan fueled the, the next season, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Right. That's that like Ikea thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but then we, we ended up getting some representation for the series, um, cause the producers came in and wanted to, you know, be involved and they put some money up for the initial, and then, uh, so we got some representation and they actually were the ones that were instru- uh, instrumental in selling it to Hulu, which was really great because Hulu was a much bigger platform, obviously. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if like back then they were still trying to make their deals and trying to figure out what the financial structure was. I think they're still trying to figure that out. Yeah. Right. So unfortunately it gave me as the creator less, um, uh, less control over right. it at that point. And so everyone's like, oh, you're doing a second season? And I'm like... It's me. Hands are tied, basically. Yeah, I would love to, um, but I I can't do it again, like, and not pay people. Yeah. You know, we did it, it was like a, we just did it to try it out. Yeah. And I either need to, like, do one of those Kickstarter things, which, like, I feel a little weird about. Well, Um, those become a full-time job, too. It becomes a full-time job. and. I get so many a week that yep. I, it just starts to become like, oh God. And people will turn into, like, it's crazy. Some people handle it so well that are running these campaigns. And some people turn it into something where it's like they're guilt tripping you. It's very, it makes you like want to avoid that human in public. I yeah. totally agree. And I am always curious because I can't always even put my finger on what makes, like, because some people are so approachable and you just want to support them so badly. Yeah. And then other people, We'll take it to this really aggressive, strange level that I think like any kind of online fundraising makes it easy for people to do because it's mm-hmm. like, well, I'll just you know, text them or send them another email, and it becomes so off-putting that it's like a very delicate balance. I agree, and you know that's the thing. Like, if if fans really wanted it, then that's up to their discretion. Much like with Veronica Mars, we want to right. see yeah. it. Great, then we can make it. Um, and you know, that's not definitely it's not off the table. Um, 
But I, there's another like realm of that where like people who sent me Kickstarters be like, I just really want to write this book and I need time to like sit down and write it. And so I need like money to pay my bills. I'm like, yes. wait, a, so do I. I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry. Uh, and I have a, you know, I have a problem with that because yeah. I've, I've created shows here in LA. I've done them in basements of Mexican restaurants. I've figured it out. I figured out cheap ways to try out material. Exactly. Yep. And, and everyone is trying. And like, everyone's trying. So come yeah. home and write between the hours of 6 and 10 PM every day, right on the weekends. Like, what do you want me to tell you? It feels very strange when it turns into just like, I've gotten people that have gotten to the point of like, just an email, like just 15 bucks, man, that would really help where it's like, come on. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like you're supporting an artistic endeavor anymore. It feels yeah. like somebody is asking you to borrow money for something that you're not even a part of, I, you know? You know what it is? It's like cyber hobos. Cyber hobos. <laughs> that's you know what I mean? great. With their little bindle links. Totally. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really great name for that. Hey, if you donate a dollar, I'll give you a thank you. <laughs> right. uh, okay. Ten dollars you can have. I don't have any cash on me. Perfect. We only take credit cards. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> right. Look, uh, I, you don't got any change. It's cool. Just can you just share this on Facebook, Twitter? Just get the word out. Appreciate it. But yeah, that yeah, uh, crowdfunding is yeah. It's, so it's a great thing, but it's also a dangerous thing. It so, is. Yeah. yeah. I think everything will hit its stride soon. I mean, I think that this, like we were talking about a minute ago, like the the way the platforms are changing and everyone's sort of starting to figure out on a bigger basis that like people will pony up for what they want yeah, and there'll be easier ways to make that happen. And they've been saying this with the internet in general. And now I think it's more true than ever that everything is a niche audience. Yeah. If you like house of cards, you get Netflix, right? Right. If you like love and Lakin, you will find it on Hulu. Everything is a niche. So it doesn't, it doesn't really matter anymore what the numbers are a and B, whether you're watching something on cable, whether you're watching it, you know, um, from Apple TV, whether you're watching Netflix on your computer, it's all kind of one and the same now. Yeah. Whereas before it really wasn't. And especially like when love and Lakin came out, there was one way to watch it, which Mm. was really on your computer. Now, you know, people are with Google Chrome, so many other things, so many other devices. I find more than ever people of my generation and younger are with are just getting rid of their cable provider completely. Yeah, we did. We do all That's through right. Roku so, and everything else we I have. I think that opens up actually more specific content realms. Yeah. 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 Well, let's do firsts. Okay, great. It's every podcast, a different first from life. Uh, since okay. uh, you have a background in dance, we're tying into that. Uh, what was the first dance class you ever took? Oh, goodness. Uh, it was probably one of those, um, you know, kitty ballet classes, like three-year-old oh, ballet classes. They're so adorable. I remember very distinctly, like, being in a circle and holding hands with girls and just going around. And here's something else specifically I remember about it. I think we were living in Maryland at the time. Um, the, one of the girls in class had a prosthetic arm. Whoa. And I remember that one of the other girls did not want to touch it. Uh oh. So who handled I, that? Being very brave, held her hand. Oh my God, Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa over here. But I remember <laughs> nice. that very clearly. I'd never, you know, three. Yeah. I'd never touched a. I and I remember right. the teacher being like, "It's okay. You're not going to hurt her. It's okay. Hold oh. her hand." And being like, "Okay." And I felt like badly for her because the other girl was scared. You know. 
weird, weird memory. Yeah. That's a strange that. memory. Brave kid, brave mama. I get, yeah. Brave Christine. I mean, everybody wins. Oh, God, everybody wins. Everybody Jeez, wins. <laughs> How about you, Vanessa? What was your first dance class? The first one I remember, my sister was like a ballerina. Oh, wow. Um, she was older than me, and I'm not nothing like her. But my mom, I think now, like in hindsight, was like, oh, to make it easy so that I would have something to do while my sister was in dance class, I would get signed up for classes that I was not going to be good at. Like I was not <laughs> going to be a dancer ever, despite my dreams. And, um, uh, the first one I have real memories of was a tap class for like very little kids. Oh yeah. But I was the only kid in class that could not handle the left and right thing. So my mom had to put big, huge stickers on my shoes. And like, I just knew like left was red <laughs> right, it was right. green, totally. and so the only videos are just like everyone else is like dancing and being cute, and I'm just like looking at my feet stomping. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. sweet! What a winner! Nice. Did you take a dance class, Cole? I did. Mambada? No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I think my first class was tap when I was I don't know, wow. like twelve or something. This guy. I mean, I did a lot. Of mu- I did a lot of musical theater growing up and stuff, yeah. and I was like in a jazz choir in high school, which is a show choir, but they just called it a right. jazz choir. But so you know, you had more just, sequins, I think. Yeah, we had sequins and <laughs> and stuff. It was pretty awesome. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I did take a tap class, and then after that, I, th- I used to go like ballroom dancing and stuff. Like, Ooh, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> that was like a thing in high school. It was like, well, one, the girl I liked in high school was like, like oh, you went to high school in eighteen hundreds England. Is yes, that right? It, yes. <laughs> it was a thing in high school. I just wanted to uh, take a dance class with this girl before consumption cough got me. <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah, so I just, we used to go to like, they would have these swing classes or dance things and stuff like that. So yeah, a lot of that. And um, I could still dance a bit, but I just don't oh. do it. But, well, uh, here's your chance. Here then, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I started taking a class here because I just sort of missed it. And I like when I started acting more like I, that's when I was like, OK, well, I've trained up into this point. I've done the the, the, the competition. I've done the competition <laughs> style stuff. Oh, my gosh. So weird. That's like a dance mom's realm in and of itself. Yeah. Oh. Um, but yeah, at about like 12, I was like, eh, I think I'm going this way. And then you can't really get back. Like yeah. at 18, 19, like everyone is so far ahead of you at that point. You know, I was still on like trying to get my double pirouette. Um, so, been there. Yeah. Been there, done that. <laughs> the whole thing about like taking stuff early because like you're impressionable then. Like if, mm-hmm. you're, if you're taught a foreign language and you're a kid, you can pick it up. But if you yep. try to do it as an adult, it's like that much harder. Absolutely. Which is why I have not picked anything up. <laughs> uh, but there is a class in Silver Lake. And if you've never gone, I, I highly recommend it because I think it's a blast. It's Sweaty Sundays. I've heard about this. Oh, yes. It's great. It's really fun. And there are people in there that are, I mean, no one is like a professional dancer. Everyone's just there to like have a good time, dance it out, and live their lives. Um, but it's uh, it's really fun. So a couple of my girlfriends and I were going, and you know, the first half hour is like a little bit of like you know yoga and a little bit of training and mm-hmm. some across the floors, and then you learn a combo. And I love and it. It's just it's a blast, and it's really good for your mind too to be able to like retain you know steps in a row, yeah. and whatever. So before we were engaged, I I took my fiance Brandon, and I was like, look, just come with me. Come with me once. If you never want to come again, I will never ask you. We will never have this conversation again. But come with me once and at least try. You're like, oh, all right, all right. <laughs> so I take him with me. 
And uh, he's actually a pretty good dancer. But, I mean, it's a totally different thing when it's, like, me, all, like, my gay friends, and we're all wearing, like, American apparel. And he's like, what am I? Which one doesn't belong? Um, But we had a blast. He was actually, he actually really loved it until we went to do these across the floor. That's the worst. Even when you say it, I start sweating. Because I did those group classes in Culver City at your neighborhood studio, which is the same. Like, any level, everyone can do it. It's so fun for the first 45 minutes. And then they're like, you three, you three. And you have to do it alone. Oh my god, it's well, the worst. Yeah, it's like, this, it's like you do non-volunteer it in a soul train. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. That's right. You go like five or six at a time, oh. and you're just kind of doing, you know. And no one's really, again, no one's paying attention. No, that's what you say because you are a good dancer. <laughs> See, that's the thing. People that are good dancers, like it's just fun and stupid. The rest of us know what it is. <laughs> There was one where it was like, you know, and strut, 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 strut. So all the girls are like, woo! And we're like literally doing like like Vegas tipping across the room. And I look at Brandon and he just looks at me like, I'm going to kill you. And, I, and he kind of did this like weird sort of like Keith Richards, like I'm going across the stage, Mick Jagger or something. I don't know what it was. It was hilarious, though. I laughed for a very just long time. Just put one guy in a, with a clipboard and a lab coat in the corner during this, just checking things off, and people are going to Oh, my gosh. That's with everybody's mind. Totally I guarantee great. you that. What is he looking for? <laughs> what is that guy writing down? Oh, I'm failing. I'm failing again. <laughs> All right, let's do uh, my questions, which is a game. Okay, great. Uh, we are going to create a film together. We've done this once before on the podcast, and it was a smashing success, I like to think. So uh, you were in uh, Gary Marshall's uh, New Year's Eve and Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. So Boom. I thought it'd be fun for all of us together to create what could potentially be his next big holiday movie. We'll choose the holiday, okay. and one by one we'll add on to the cast and, the, and a brief description of what role we think that we would like them to play in this film. Great. Okay. So uh, I guess I'll pick the holiday. Okay. Why not? So let's go with Arbor Day. Arbor, Arbor Day. Day. Love it. Gary Marshall's Arbor, Arbor Day. Vanessa, you want to pick the first cast member and who they're, who they're going to play? We're going to have um, Alan Rickman as a disgruntled school teacher that's trying to start an environmental class so that his job will be saved. Like he needed to do an extracurricular thing or he's going to be replaced by a new teacher. Okay. And then I'll couple that on with his love interest, which will be Jenna Rollins. Oh, yeah. Well. Um, and she is, um, she's going to be like the head of a, an environmental action, um, um, some kind of organization, some kind of a Greenpeace mm-hmm. type okay. thing. But they're at odds with each other <gasps> over the use of some funds. Oh, no. So, but there's a love interest. There's a matchup. But she was just out of a very bad relationship with a guy who she found out was killing giant squid on the coast oh my of God. California. And he even doesn't even know if he can believe squid. in love. Yeah, so she doesn't believe in love anymore. She's really downtrodden. She thinks right. that everybody's out to basically get her. Oh, my gosh. Okay. These two. Uh, These two. I'm going to add on Nicolas Cage. Of course. Of course. He, is playing, he is playing a logger who is now conflicted because oh. he feels like the trees might feel pain. So he's just like, he can't handle it, man. And so he's, mm-hmm. but he, but his, his dad was a logger. His grandfather was a logger. He comes from a great big family of loggers. So he's not sure if he can do it anymore. Oh, that was good. I'm going to add on, what's her name? We've given her a hard time before. Not a good I, start. Not a good start. I really like uh, her. <laughs> uh, her voice is what you don't like. It drives you crazy. Blue eyes. Zoe Deschanel? No, but we could put her in. Okay, I don't know if this is going to come to me. Oh, Andy McDowell? Yeah, Andy McDowell? That's who I'm thinking of. Right. We're going to have her as a 
recent divorcee who has just moved to start her life at, in a new town. New, fresh start, and she's gotten a job at the paper. But she lied about her credentials, and she's actually never written anything before. No but she's always wanted to be a writer. Okay. And I'm assuming the logging is what goes to the paper mill. Oh, no. I heard it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Playing Jenna Rowland's granddaughter <gasps> will be... You guessed it, Zoe Deschanel. There she is. She's quirky, and she works in the, you know the town bar. But she, what she really wants to be is a singer. Of course. So every Friday night she does the karaoke and just moonlights. And um, you know she she knows that her grandmother has this has this really deep cause. And you know, she goes over to grandma's house and she brings her cookies and sings with her ukulele. Um, but she just really wants to find love and she wants to get the heck out of this town. Who doesn't? Meanwhile, she's got a couple suitors. One of what they're, they're both guys, the guys that do karaoke at the bar constantly. One who's been in love with her forever, played by Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he's a little off-putting, uh, a little socially awkward, mm-hmm. uh, but he's got a good heart. Right. The other, he's really flashy and he's really great. That's played by MC Scat Cat, <laughs> animated cat from Paul Abdul's Opposites of Track video. Awesome. Right. He's so ready he's, for a comeback. He's good. One, he's animated, so he's right. got that over everybody else in yeah. the bar. Uh, you know, and he can rap, he can freestyle a little bit. And so he like takes classics on the karaoke and just kind of like ramps them up and stuff like that. And so she's initially drawn to him because yeah. like on, he's he, on, on, on paper, literally, because he's drawn there. He is <laughs> on the, the horizon. Her. But eventually Macaulay Mack mm. will hopefully win her heart in the yeah. end, I think. Uh, the Olsen twins run the bakery in town and... They're always sort of sparring with each other, but they really do love each other. One of them wants to branch off and start a just cupcakes kind of bakery. The other one thinks that the cupcake phase is over, and that's a lot of, you know, it's a source of some some anger. Uh, they unwind by going to the same pub where there's karaoke. And then rounding out, you know, that cast um, would have to be none other than, I think we need some cameos in there. Everything yeah. Gary oh, Marshall yeah. is just like ripe with cameos. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely there's going to be a town sheriff, um, which oh. will be played by Hector Alessandro. <laughs> he has to be in there contractually. He's like, <laughs> no, always. Every Gary Marshall, every movie. Gary Marshall <laughs> movie. So he comes in, you know, he ends up <laughs> shutting the logging company down Whoa. for improper practices. Annie McDowell loses her job. <gasps> Good news is Nick Cage and Annie McDowell find love. Oh, my gosh. Oh, and they end up taking over. Um, she like starts a little, a cute little card shop with some of the extra cards and paper products <gasps> that they have. Recycled paper, Recycled, you know, card and bookshop. Oh and the two gosh. of them, you know, get a, a nice little space next to the uh, Olsen Twins Bake Shop. Oh! And there are tons I of live there. this, you guys, because it's just littered with cameos. Littered. he knows everybody. So really fast rapid fire. We're just going to go as fast as we can around and okay. see everybody else is in the movie. Uh, the uh, professional athlete, Bo Jackson. Gabourey Sibidete. <laughs> um, Julia Roberts. Uh, Perry Como. Perry Mason. Uh, Emma Roberts. Timothy Busfield. Emma Stone. Um, uh, Justin Bieber. Uh, solid Gold Dancers. America Ferrera. <laughs> <laughs> we can't do it anymore, you guys. It's too Sophia Vergara. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. And this is Tom like an across Green. the room. <laughs> In Arbor Day. In Arbor Day. You guys look for it never. Actually, it'll probably get made at some point. He'll probably With run through Carrot them. Top. Oh, oh boy. Now we've got a winner on our hands. He's the, the prop Greenpeace comic that comes yeah. through, and it's great. My friend just wrote, he's a writer on The Neighbors, and he wrote an episode, and they they were like, 
trying to figure out who was going to be in this episode. It was like a holiday episode, so they were going to have, you know, um, cameos made. And it ended up with Carrot Top. And he at first was like, oh, no, Carrot Top. But he wrote all these, like, kind of prop jokes into the, you know, like, kind of poking fun at him. But they were worried about his reaction. And apparently he was the nicest person in the world. I'm sure. Totally got, like, what to make fun of about himself and did it up. Yeah. I was surprised to hear it. Is he still quite buff? He's quite buff. And he makes so much money. Oh, I'm sure. Like something like $74 million a year because of doing Vegas shows. The Vegas is, well, there's just nothing else to do there. It's like puppet shows and Carrot Top. That's it. That's it. That's all. I mean, there's a lot of shows, but granted, every time you check in somewhere, they're like, at at least every time I've gone to Vegas, they're like, no, seriously, we'll give you the room for $21.65. And that includes four buffets, 18 shows, <laughs> yes. and like free parking. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's make a weekend of it totally. in the desert. <laughs> they just want you to, to put your money in that slot machine. And you will. I mean, that's the thing. Of course. That, she will. That sound is well designed. All right, Vanessa. These are my questions. Have you ever met an Olsen twin? Yes. How'd it go? It went well. Um, <laughs> it was a long time ago, back when they were children. And, uh, but you said, could still was, see the greatness. You could see, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, didn't know that the fashion was where they were going to go. Because let's be honest, there was a lot of, of matchy-matchy back that's, then. That's right. Um, but they, uh, yeah, I met them. They were they were in, I think, a schoolroom with the studio teachers. And then I ended up going to Jody Sweeten's 16th birthday party. How was that? 16. Pretty amazing. It was at Disneyland. Oh, my gosh. And we were, we were like, I was on a dance floor with the Olsen twins. Oh. Exciting. How were they? Um, they were just really cutting a rug. Were they flexible? They were really flexible. I think there was some gymnastics happening. Of course. You know, there was a lot of, like, awkward, like... Across almost, the room. <laughs> yeah, almost, like, Roger Rabbiting happening. It looks, um, like, similar to your fiancé's move. What you just... Much, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all come full circle for me, really. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. If you could swap into any other TGIF show, which would it be and which actor would take your place? Ooh. Mm. I would probably say good. Uh, I mean, I really I really loved Perfect Strangers. There I it loved is. That show. Um, so I think I would probably swap out with the actress Melanie Hobbs. Good idea. Yeah. I don't know that she could have played my role, really. Well, you've given it to her, and a real actor will make it work. That's right. (laughs) I will say, I was God, I was such a big (laughs) fan of hers. And she came by our set once, and I remember I was like 15. She had a beautiful Range Rover. And uh, and I was like, she's like, yeah, I'm trying to sell it. I was like, really? Um, How much are you selling it for? She's like, oh, do you want to take it for a spin? (gasps) She let me drive her car. Oh, my gosh. When you're 15 and someone lets you drive their beautiful car... I, I was like fan for life. My life. Oh yeah, right. such a nice one. Oh my gosh! Didn't buy the car. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Just couldn't get the money together at that no, time. Could, but <laughs> right. no. okay, so you're going on a road trip with Kristen Bell and Kristen Chenoweth. Where's your destination? What do you listen to on the way? And who drives? Oh God, this is a good one. Um, let's see. We would probably be going to Santa Fe. Okay. Um, Chenoweth is a, you know, she, I think she, she's a girl that loves to get away and just to be out. She's like, kind of like a down home girl at heart. So we want to get out of town, not be around, you know, the, the paps. No, no, Um, no. Go somewhere warm. Cause she spends a lot of time in New York. She's cold and she's She's, a tiny, she's small. They're both tiny. You can fit her in your carry on. The three of you, you could fit all drive at once. Um, there's definitely gonna be a lot of show tunes. Yeah. 
a lot of show tunes, maybe the Reefer Madness soundtrack. There you go. Um, and uh, there's going to be a lot of, um, if yeah, on the way especially, a lot of weird snacking foods. <laughs> so uh, Kristen Bell is a vegetarian. And when she lived with me, um, which was my... Which was during Reefer Madness? It was or? right before Reefer okay. Madness. We were doing a play together. She had moved out here from New York and uh, had been here for like eight months and lost her lease and was crying. She had no place to stay. And so she lived with me for like three months. <laughs> she was the funniest. She, she's a vegetarian, but she would just put together these things that I was like, I guess that that's vegetarian. I don't know if that's... I don't know if that's healthy, though. I don't know what that is. It'd be like white bread with like... I'm sure she eats totally differently now. But it would be hilarious because she's the tiniest person. She'd be like like processed cheese in a can on like white bread (laughs) with like some kind of weird Pringles in the middle and like another... It was the weirdest combinations of food I've ever seen in my life. And it's adorable. It's like, I don't don't understand you. But you're you're hilarious. You're a mythical thing. A lot of manwich. Manwich can. Mm. Can't explain it. Sure, why not? Yeah. And uh, she also had a taxidermied alligator. Whoa. Of she did. I hope that guy's still around. It was a gift <laughs> from her mother. <laughs> so we would put it in each other's beds. Oh, nice. Under oh, pillows. my gosh. We did a lot of that kind of stuff to each other. <laughs> <laughs> Good old-fashioned early 20s fun. You know, oh, playing with the alligator. Oh, and then who would drive? Last oh, point. who would drive? Um, I would drive. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I think I'm a really good driver. You were spinning Range Rovers at 15. Yeah, spinning What's Range, up? Range Rovers at 15. <laughs> um, I don't feel like Chenoweth. I mean, she's lived in New York for a long time. I feel like she might be a little rusty, and I oh. don't want to drive with Belle. <laughs> I, what would that look like? She's got too much going on in that head of hers. <laughs> she cannot concentrate on the road, and it makes me very nervous. <laughs> you made the right choice. Yeah, yeah thank you. Call. Thank you. Um, okay, you've angered a wizard, and he's going to give you one of two punishments, but he is going to let you choose which one. Okay. Either you have a very painful audition every morning. For the rest of my life? For forever. Oh. But you're assured that one of these auditions every year will pay off in a big way. Or you agree to no auditions at all for 10 years. And what do I get? No auditions ever? Is that the punishment? For 10 years. For 10 years. Well, the punishment is just like, oh, I guess neither of them are too brutal. It's more just a choice. It's a choice. Okay. The wizard's gotcha. testing you. Um, Darn you, wizard. I would, I would definitely say number two. No auditions? No auditions. Well, you run. Give me an excuse to go do something else. Yeah. Yes. You run the show. Painful, regardless. Worst audition ever, right? And I'm sure you just heard horror story after horror story. No idea how many stories. And I have them myself, absolutely. And I do think sometimes, like if I'm sitting somewhere and it's quite miserable, I do think to myself. At times, I have. Oh God, I, I almost hope something goes horribly awry so that i have material story to tell. <laughs> you know like i'm not gonna force it there but if 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 there's some weird behavior i'm definitely gonna, I'm gonna, gonna go egg it. it on um <laughs> but yeah I've, I've heard some terrible stories over the last like uh, we've been doing this show almost three years oh wow and it's not even just auditions now like we're we've branched out this year and we've done worst date worst sex worst vacation worst family um and the thing that i love doing about the show is that i find uh people's humiliating stories, whatever, whatever genre they are. Um, it, it's a really like, um, it, it, there's a, it, for some reason that humiliation is, I think it makes everybody else feel better about their own life. Absolutely. Yeah. So it becomes this kind of communal experience. 
Um, which has just been a lot of fun, I think, both for the people telling. They, everybody that does the show says it's really cathartic and really fun. Yeah. And the people uh, that, you know, have been loyal fans keep coming back for more. They, they love hearing it. They never get tired. And we do different stories every every month. So Puts everything in perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Which is nice. Absolutely. This is your last question. If you could do another unexpected movie turned musical spoof, like Silence the Musical, yeah. what movie would you ta- do? And which role would you take? And it could oh be any God. film. That's uh, that's amazing. Um, I think an, a great musical spoof would be. This is really outside the box, but um, <laughs> it would make just for amazing um, music. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Ooh, that's an exciting I choice. I saw that gem. Oh my gosh! On Netflix, and I have to tell you, it's a gem. It is a gem. It's a gem. Christina Applegate is wonderful. Can you imagine getting to do the fashion show in a musical? How uh, fun that yeah. would be! Absolutely, uh, and like the crazy grandmother who died, uh, the baser who dies. It's the dishes are done. The man. dishes are done, man. The dishes are done. <laughs> you can get Keith. You can get everybody. You do it. <laughs> kind of you do it. I love it. You did our podcast. You made it all the way through. Oh my god! Um, yeah, people should follow you on the Twitter. Tweet Twitter is. Most normal people call it. No, right. you can say whatever uh, you want. You have uh, you're at at Yo Lakin. That's right. So not uh, not at Christine Lakin. At will not be Yo you. Lakin. At no, Yolo Lakin. No, no, just Y O L A K I N. Okay, it's not, it's not at you only Lakin. <laughs> but you can type in my name and you'll see you'll, you'll see it. the one that it'll ch- it'll show up. You'll see <laughs> the one that comes up. Uh, you can follow us on there too. I'm at Cole Strat. I'm at Vanessa Raglan. The podcast is at PMC Podcast. Thank you for being here, Christine. Thanks for having me, you guys. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. A blessed day. This is not definitely not as uh, painful as uh, I had been told it would be. Oh, we cut you now. Oh, sh- turn the mic off. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe to the Pop My Culture Podcast on iTunes. Check us out online at popmyculturepodcast.com and follow us on Twitter at PMC Podcast. Thanks for listening.